It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Do we have proper expectations for new Auburn Tiger Marcus Bragg? Also, Brian Harson comes in almost last in on three's SEC coaches' rankings. Are they right or are they wrong? We tell you on today's Locked On Auburn. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's a Charlie Tuesday here on the show. He gets back in town from his vacation, and he's ready to hop on Locked On Auburn. While you were away, Charlie Five, the Auburn Tigers added... And Edge, we assume he's going to play Edge. He played a bunch of different places at Western Kentucky, but a defensive lineman, Marcus Bragg. I um, I was pretty honest with my opinion. I was pretty honest with yeah. what I see him doing at Auburn on yesterday's show. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this addition, what it means for him, what it means for Auburn. It's great for him, um, I guess, if he um, – okay. If he gets a chance to gets a chance to play, I think the biggest thing that I, I, I agreed the most with you is that it does it didn't really do anything anything other than depth for this year. It yeah. helps nothing for depth um, beyond when we lose a lot of guys. So it's really really strange uh, as far as like why this guy was sort of the the one you you singled out when there's still some very I mean there's still some pretty talented dudes. Uh, that were available, that are still available um, in the portal, um, that play a similar position. Yeah. Um, that uh, I don't know why it just seemed like this one hit hard and quick. He came to visit, and it was and it was over. Um, since it's just, uh, I mean, this is a result, but this is a result of um, we kind of get we go through this cycle where it's like uh, we don't get a guy and then we get a guy and he's not as good as we as we want it to be but that's the result of there's not really that whole lot of people left so we're not really going to be adding a whole lot of factor uh difference makers right now but um and you know we miss there's there's portal guys we could have landed earlier and this is just sort of how it's fallen now and uh I just wish I'm, I, you said I, another thing you said. Great. I, I wish we could have found like a red shirt freshman or red shirt sophomore. I mean, there's, I'm looking at guys right now um, with uh Quayshon Fuller who has four years to play mm-hmm. um, uh, this. There's just so many dudes that I feel like we could have had a shot. Uh, we could have had a shot at could have pursued that, you know, I think it would, would benefit this team in the long run uh, a lot more than, you know, Bragg will. Uh, right. And, and it's interesting like the next year. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Five, a month or two ago, we were kind of doing shows about setting expectations for the type of transfers you can expect to add at this part of the year and this part of the whole process. And we talked about guys that would come in and not be an impact in 2022, but were pieces for the future. We thought we'd see that, right. you know, maybe redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores, um, in the trenches on both sides of the ball on offense and defensive line. And I think we thought that we would see that possibly at wide receiver and possibly a defensive back. 
And it's funny because the right. first one, I believe I have my order right. The first one post spring that was added was to Zalen Warsham, the wide receiver from Miami. And he checked all of those boxes. A guy that I don't yeah. think is going to contribute in 2022, but I think will have the ability to contribute after that. But all the other ones are not what we predicted at all. No. The Memphis defensive lineman, he's one and done. One and done. Right. Right. Will he even play? I don't know. I mean, will will he even really get to play? Yeah. Um, And then, you know, Marcus Bragg is the same way. And then I I guess Coy Moore. I guess Coy Moore does check those boxes. I just think, um, I think he'll play a lot in 2022. But yeah, it's just kind of funny because we were like, all right, you know, set expectations. And it's like, well, it's either... It's either been what we thought or depth pieces that have one year left of eligibility, which is just really not what I expected here. Yeah, like, I I just don't get what, I mean, what good does Bragg really do you? What good does, I mean, in, in the long run, what what does Bragg really, he's not really overly fast. He's not, we're trying to add a pass rusher. I, he's not really going to be a super huge threat off the edge unless it's just some magical developmental thing that happens between now and fall like I, I i mean i don't know what it is it just it's a weird ad that doesn't seem to really benefit either party it doesn't seem to benefit him at all and it doesn't i don't really see how it benefits us other than just having a warm body yeah and, and we touched on that a little bit yesterday we don't know what his personal goals are we don't know if you know geography played into it i don't know why it would he's from miami but we don't know what his personal goals are his goal may have been to be an sec football player i don't know and if that's the case he achieved his goal props to him um, there was a big discussion in Locked on Auburn Discord throughout the day on Monday about this. And a lot of folks chiming in in different ways. I think everybody agrees. It's like, okay, it's great that Auburn gets to have a guy like him as the fourth, maybe fifth edge rusher uh, on this team. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I think that's great. I think it's really, really good. Um, I think Auburn is an, gets more out of this than Bragg does. And so, the, you know, the fans that are involved in this would be like, yeah, okay, great, sweet. Um, but another note that I thought was interesting, and I think this was actually a YouTube comment. I, I'm sorry I don't have the username pulled up to, to read this. But the gist of what they said was, you know, perhaps they wanted to go the route of getting a guy that was done after this year so it would not impact the sales pitch to recruits. I mean, they're going after a ton of talented edge guys out of high school, and one of the things we talk about with John Garcia all the time when he comes on is, you know, pitching early playing time, the quick path to playing time. Right. And that sales pitch does not change with the addition of Bragg. Yeah, it doesn't. But, like, does does adding a does adding a redshirt sophomore who is, is just literally Dylan Brooks and this guy next year, is that really that much of a deterrent to – somebody like some high profile um, edge guy, unless you want to bring in multiple of those guys. Like, is it really that big of a deterrent? Uh, To be honest, I just think this is one of the only guys that we could get, if I'm just being quite frank. And I I hate to be super negative like that, but um, we missed on the kid from UCLA who would have been, who would have been a uh, one and done, but he actually had a lot, you know, a fairly decent amount of production. Isidore or I believe his last name. Right, right, right. Um, Quayshawn Fuller just basically said, well, I'm not interested at all. Um, and he would have had four years to play. Mm. Um, it, ju- it just kind of seemed like, oh, this guy popped up. He was interested in us. He came on a visit, and, and we took him. Um, uh, I get it. Just, we had to have a body, and, and we just took him. 
I get it. Absolutely. All right. So on three ranked, all of the SEC head coaches, they were not kind to Brian Harson. Were they right? Were they not? We tell you in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Charlie Five has been on the show to talk about this line. And Charlie Five, I'll actually bring you back on for your thoughts. So Bet Online for their college football futures as far as win totals for the Tigers in 2022. It opened at five and a half. It has now moved to six. Do you still mm. take the over on that, Charlie Five? Uh, six is a six is a good number. That's a tough number because um, I kind of feel like that's where we'll land um, uh, yeah. somewhere around six. So uh, I probably would I would probably just stay away from that bet. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I would too. <laughs> or, or if there's a way to bet that exact number, I'd probably that's what I would do. I'd probably bet that exact number. Fair enough. Fair enough. But hey, if you still think Auburn is seven to five or better, head over to Bet Online. Bet Online is where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, Charlie Five, looking at on threes SEC coaching rankings. I'm just going to go in order. Is that yep. cool? I'm going to go in order. Sure. Spoiler, it's going to take a minute to get to Brian Harson. All right, number one, Nick Saban, Alabama. <laughs> number two, Kirby Smart, Georgia. Number three, Brian Kelly, LSU, question mark. Okay. Number four, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. Too high, but I get it. Number five, Mark Stoops, Kentucky. Number six, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss. Number seven, Sam Pittman, Arkansas. Number eight, Mike Leach, Mississippi State. Number nine, Josh Heupel, Tennessee. Number 10, Shane Beamer, South Carolina. Number 11, Billy Napier, Florida. Then here's Brian Harson at 12. Of the 14 coaches, head coaches in the SEC, they have Brian Harson 12th, then Eli Drinkwitz of Missouri 13th, and then in last at 14, Clark Lee of Vanderbilt. So when I first hmm. saw this, and I was introduced to this list when I was doing a radio hit on WNSP with Dave Schultz Monday afternoon, and they're like, yeah, they had Brian Harson at 12. What are your thoughts on that? My gut reaction, Charlie Five, was that is way too low. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it, and like I don't have a strong argument for him being better than any of the folks that are in front of him. My gut is Mike Leach. But how can you say that when you blew a 28-3 lead against him at Jordan-Hare? Um, and then, like, Billy Napier, I'm actually surprised he's at 11 with all the hype around him. And then Shane Beamer is another one. But, like, you lost to him. You lost to him last year. And so yeah. all the other folks in front of him, Sam Pittman, y- you beat him. But, like, Sam Pittman's just using so much less and doing just as much as you. So I, I-, I just, I have a hard time moving him up any. Am I being too critical here? Uh, I think maybe just a little, so, a little bit because if, if on one hand you say you can't be ahead of on one hand if you say you can't be ahead of Shane Beamer or Billy Nate or I'm sorry Shane Beamer or um who's the other one that Mike Leach Shane, Mike Leach yeah uh, he we stroked Sam Pittman and we stroked Lane Kiffin I mean mm-hmm. if 
it, it, the biggest robbery in this whole thing is Mark Stoops not being number three. Uh, that that is true. Uh, that is accurate. Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops is without a doubt what uh, the number three coach in in, uh, in the conference. He, he has just been unbelievable at uh, at Kentucky uh, and the, the, talking about doing less with or doing more with less. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Heupel, like what is? I mean, you play in the you play in the played an East schedule. Um, I, I, him being at nine, there seems to be a lot of a lot of hype for a guy that got hired that they didn't even want. Um, sure. And, yeah. Uh, and then Shane Beamer, like, uh, I mean, it just is what. I think, I think there's probably I, I, more energy around Beamer kind of still- because I mean, the way they've added guys in the portal, I mean, he's probably won a little bit of favor for that. Yeah. I mean, the addition of Spencer Rattlers, I, I think a pretty big deal. Now their, yeah, their, their schedule stinks. Like, I mean, it's tough for them. So like, I don't know if it's really going to matter when you look at it game by game, but still yeah. I, I I get the argument. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, like if you, if you really, the, the, if you make an argument for, there's probably an equally strong argument against right. uh, putting a Brian Harson ahead of those, just by the way, the fallout of, of what happened after the season, uh, the t- turmoil that you feel like is going to happen again unless like he pulls off a miracle season like you're going to face the same exact thing again so they're kind of projecting that and they even say as much in the mm-hmm. little write-up um you know talking about how it's not a good fit he survived the you know he survived the uh, tr- uh off season um but you know more than likely you're going to go through the same thing again um it's just uh any you know you're on your third offensive coordinator in two years uh in year two so um, there is a lot of there is a lot of things against him. Um, I still feel like he's a good football coach. I do too, um, I, I do and too. I I feel like he's a middle of the pack uh, SEC guy. Um, he's just yeah. I had I, a I, bad I, first year with some bad breaks. Good. Yeah, and sorry I keep talking over you. you no, you're freezing every now and then. I, I think in like three years, you could see him above Mike Leach. I think you see him above Shane Pittman. I think you honestly could see him above Lane Kiffin. I think that's eventually going to fizzle out. I just don't know if Brian Harson's going to get the time that he needs. That's that's my biggest concern of it all. And the exactly. other the, the other frustrating thing about this Charlie Five is like everybody's counting out Auburn this year. You know, five and seven, six and six, seven and five is their ceiling. Yada yada yada. You're seeing it everywhere. Last in the SEC West. But if they go out and finish fourth. In the SEC West, behind your Bamas, your A and M's. Let's say Ole Miss does what they're supposed to do, and then you know maybe Auburn edges out LSU and Arkansas. You're not going to see any. You're not going to see him shoot up these lists, even though he vastly will overachieve. If he does that, he will vastly overachieve what everybody is asking him to do, and I just don't think he's really going to be set up for them to give that back to him, which is totally ridiculous and totally unfair. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm wondering who compiles these lists because I mean I guess it's um, well they got yeah Jesse Jesse Simonton. Um, I just feel like coaches like people that are in football maybe not reporters but like if it was a coaches poll type thing and Harson were to win eight games they would say holy cow the situation that he was in and he won eight games this dude's for real sure I, I think like real football people. 
that's probably people true. would note it would 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 give him the credit where it's due because to win eight games with this roster with everything he's been through I think that would be a a, a magnificent feat that he should get he should get recognition for. All right, so uh, for folks listening or watching, where would you rank Brian Harson? Twelve still feels low to me. Um, I think five years from now, I'd rather have Harson than Beamer. I think five years from now, I'd rather have Harson than Pittman, even though I really, really, really like Pittman. The Heupel thing is super interesting, but I think if you look at both of what they've done so far, I think Heupel's is better. His situation is better. His path to, you know, eight wins is significantly easier right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how much of those arguments are fair I and think, how much of them are just me being a homer, though, if I'm being real. I think a good question, that the where, where, you, where it, it should – where you would rank him is who would you rather have than him? Just go through the list. Who would you rather have than Brian Harson? All right, so let's go through it. I'd rather have Saban. I'd rather have Smart. Just go I'd, through the list. I'd rather have Kelly. I'd rather have Jimbo. I'd rather have Stoops. I think I'd rather have Kiffin. Yeah. I think I'd, in a vacuum, I'd rather have Harson than Pittman. Yes. I'd rather, I definitely would rather have Harson than Leach. I think I'd rather have Harson than Heupel. I'd rather have Harson than Beamer. I'd rather have Napier than Harson, I think. And then obviously I'd have Harson yep. over Drinkwitz and uh, Lee. So that moves them up. So we have what, them like eight. Yeah, which is what my gut yeah. tells me. Well done. Well done in pointing out that exercise. That's what I. That's probably where I would have him. About eight, eight. eight sounds more reasonable. I, I would take. To me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like Shane Beamer, I don't want Shane Beamer over over Brian Harson. No, I just, just don't. Um, uh, and then you know the, the every guy you just said, I don't want Sh- Sam Pittman. Uh, I'm sorry, like this. That's just a. I think Pittman works at Arkansas. Him. I don't think he yeah. works everywhere else. Right. I'm not gonna say anywhere else, but I don't think it works everywhere for sure. For sure, but exactly. that that dude, that dude got Kendall Browse. Like, let's not pretend mm-hmm. he doesn't have Kendall Browse as the offensive coordinator. Oh, so that's that's a big point. that's a big that's a big uh, big plus. When that goes away, what happens? Yeah. So. so so is Harson better than the eighth coach in the SEC right now? Let us know in Locked On Auburn Discord or um, or on YouTube or on Twitter wherever. Um, all right, Auburn baseball wins their first game in Omaha since nineteen. 19- 97, Lindsey Crosby of Auburn Daily and Locked On Movie Prospects will join us to break all of that down and what's in front of the Tigers. But before that, Charlie Five, how can people find you, hear you, support you, and all that stuff? Absolutely. Find me on Twitter at the underscore Charlie underscore five, uh, auburnlive.com, the uh, corner message board, every single day in the Locked On Auburn Discord, links in the description, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the Dad Bod Golf Pod, talking U.S. Open results, live tour, all kind of crazy stuff going on in golf. A lot of fun. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. And joining us now here on Locked on Auburn, baseball's Lindsey Crosby, of course, with Auburn Daily 
and locked on MLB prospects. The first win in Omaha for the Tigers since 1997. It feels good. It feels good. feels even better that it was against Stanford, which is um, our boss's alma mater, the founder of Locked On Podcast Network. He went to Stanford, David Locke. So, um, yeah, it felt really good. He didn't answer my text when I sent him more eagle afterwards, though. Yeah, uh, I did hear that there's a job posting for your job, though. So, that's uh, that's fun. Uh, no, um, so Auburn had was 0-4 against Stanford. Like, this is the wildest stat to me. Auburn's only played, like, 16 College World Series games in existence, and four of them were losses to Stanford. What in the world? So this is Auburn's last College World Series victory since 1997, Mm -hmm. which was Tim Hudson's team. Right. Uh, And that year, they opened the College World Series with a loss to Stanford. They beat Rice, I believe. And then they closed the College World Series with a loss to Stanford. So we have avenged that. Right. Uh, I went in my backyard, cut a tree down, burned it. Okay. Uh, just in like victory over beating Stanford. Sure. No, uh, just great outing. And to me, the story of the game ends up being Trace Bright. There was questions about why Trace Bright over Mason Barnett. We yeah. kind of explained yesterday. They feel more confident with what they're going to get as far as the floor of Trace Bright. And then they felt like his ceiling was close enough where it wasn't a big deal to start bright over Barnett. Obviously you can see gives up a couple of four hits in the first two innings and then settles down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sits at one point sits down seven straight uh, Cardinals Cardinal. There's no S on it, right? It's just Cardinal trees, trees, seven straight trees, right? Uh, You know what, what it is instead of Cardinal, just call them couchers because they're going home. Uh, And uh, got them. And couchers, and it's something where we were ex- <laughs> we were, we, we were so expecting stupid. a different starting pitcher. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, and and so kind of threw everybody off. And it's funny. I tweeted before the game when the lineup came out, and I was like, "Well, I got this wrong in the um, preview. I'll have a scout report ready in about twenty minutes." And I got a text from somebody with the team. It was like, "Hey, buddy, we did the same thing you did. It's fine." Um, well, it's good. The guy, all- the guy that they saved can uh, can pitch tomorrow. Oh, wait, they're done. They're gone. Yeah, they lost. No, the guy that they saved, actually, they actually brought in once they got the lead today. Oh, okay. And then um, what happened is he probably gave it up. Yikes. Yeah. Um, thanks to walking in a run, walking in Bobby Pierce in the sixth, and then uh, I, allowing I've, the I've loudest hitter been, on the planet. I've never been a pitcher before, and I never will be. But I would imagine walking in a run has to be the worst feeling the worst feeling in the world outside of like giving up a grand slam. I would think like giving up a walk off on something stupid and then like a walk off bulk. And then right after that, mm. um, walking in a run, sure. especially in the playoffs, especially in the elimination game. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and then Cole Foster, who has been deathly ill for like four days, uh, goes and hits a, hits a, bases clearing double off the top of the wall in left center. It's funny, Butch mentioned after the game, he's like, you know, biggest hit of the kid's life, and I look up, and he's like barely getting to second base, and he's just head down because he's so exhausted. He, he got an idea the game. Yeah, yeah, and they talked about, you know, he was staying in the dugout as long as he possibly could in between innings and, and all that. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Bigger moment. Michael Jordan's flu game or Cole Foster's sick game? 
Um, in Auburn history, Cole, Cole Foster. Yep, checks out. Oh, hang on a second. Um, oh, you cannot. Sorry, this, this is during Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Ole Miss just uh, just crushed a tank. That's a that's a sad pig. You cannot you cannot leave a ball middle middle. I'm sorry. Okay, it's nine to three, Ole Miss right, in the yes. top of the fifth right so, now. So let's assume Auburn is playing Arkansas. And if that yeah. is not the case, it really doesn't matter who Auburn plays. I, I think from no. the Auburn perspective, um, regardless of who they play in their third game in the College World Series, this is about really what Auburn does after Mason Barnett. Because mm-hmm. you can't go skipper. I don't think you can go Burkhalter at this point. So what do you imagine this pitching staff looking like tomorrow? Or so, today w- when this goes out? Yeah, today. You need Barnett to go as deep as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of goes without saying you need more like a UCLA type performance where he's going as long as possible. Um, after that, I'm guessing you're going to see some sort of combination of Carson Swilling, the veteran. You're going to see a Chase Alsup, a young guy who they really like. And you're going to see a Chase Isbell, who mm-hmm. is somebody that I know that Auburn fans haven't been very impressed with Chase Isbell. He's in the same boat that Tommy Sheehan's in. And Butch Thompson mentioned this the other day about guys who had a partial Tommy John procedure in the offseason. They've been recovering, and they are kind of finally getting to that point of being fully healthy and back to able to do what they do. So I'm thinking those are going to be the three key guys out of the bullpen, but everybody will be available with the exception of Burkhalter, um, Gonzalez, and Bright. And... Burke Halter is a guy, if you ask him to go, he'll go. Right. He, he probably shouldn't, like in the interest of self-preservation, but if they ask him to go, he would go. Well, how you manage things is a little bit different in the postseason, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think Burke Halter would rather go uh, again and continue the season. And so that'll be fun to see how Coach Thompson and Tim Hudson handle that. Yeah, and I think like at worst – you or at best you would get him for maybe maybe an inning. I mean, he threw 39 pitches on Monday night. So mm. at best, I think you might get him for an inning, but that's something they it's definitely gonna be a break glass in case of emergency. The goal is gonna be Barnett go as deep as he can, some combination of a swilling. If they have to break glass on Carson Skipper and bring him out, they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is set up as of now. The plan is uh Mason Barnett. And then after him, Carson Skipper, and then Joseph Gonzalez, and that gets you to the championship round. So um, as of now, they're looking at Carson Skipper as Wednesday starter. But like you said, if you lose Tuesday, you don't have a Wednesday. Yep. So Auburn has to win three games to get to the national championship series. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. The first, uh, the, the first of those three is obviously later today, 6 o'clock tonight. And it will be... Um, I'm sure it'll be miserable. I'm sure it will be very close. I'm sure it'll be very stressful, and I can't wait. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yes, as of right now, uh, top of the fifth, it is ten to three, Ole Miss. So unless things change, which Arkansas can score a lot of runs, so so it'll be Ole Miss. I, I think this is the. Be- I was asked this on WNSP um, Monday afternoon with Dave Schultz. He asked which is better for Auburn, and I told him it would be better for Ole Miss to beat Arkansas. Because I think Auburn has a better chance of beating Ole Miss twice than Arkansas twice. That was my thought process. How off am I on that? I think you're right. And I think a big reason that you're right there comes down to the pitching. 
I mean, Old Miss and Dylan Delusia was as good as advertised on Saturday. Total goodness. Stud. Right. But Old Miss is on plans D, E, and F when it comes to the rotation. They have lost the three guys that beat Auburn in Auburn earlier in the year. And so uh, if you if Old Miss wins on Monday night and you play Arkansas, I feel better about beating Arkansas once and Ole Miss twice than I do about beating Ole Miss once and Arkansas twice. Right. Um, Arkansas is playing today like it's a bullpen game. It's kind of odd. They're on their fourth pitcher already. Yeah. And it's the fifth inning. And so they're, the mindset going into this game very much from Arkansas's coaches feels like it's a, we're going to win and then we're off tomorrow and everybody gets a day off. So if Ole Miss beats them, Arkansas is a little bit depleted. They've had a bunch of guys go. Uh, and now they either have to do a back-to-back or they're going to the alternate options out of the bullpen. Yeah. So, so I, mean, I, I want this score to keep up. I mean, obviously Auburn's path to being, you know, in that final series is ridiculously difficult. But mm-hmm. um, four teams. Yep, that's that's where we're at. That's where we are at. There's six teams left in college baseball and the Tigers. Um, they're one of them, and if they win the matchup tonight, um, they'll be in the Final Four, which is very, very cool. Lindsay, of the yes. six teams, um, obviously Auburn's one of them, they have played four of the other five this season. If that tells you what kind of schedule mm-hmm. a team in the SEC West plays week in and week out, because they've played everybody who's left in the field but Notre Dame. Interesting. Yeah, And they have a Notre Dame pitcher on staff. So we'll count. They them. do. We'll count it. Yeah, I mean, we beat them because we have their guy. So that's, um, that's right. Yep, we won to, uh, Tommy Sheehan from them. Lindsay, how can people read everything you have going on as well as hear you every day? So I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The previews, the recaps, all that stuff for all of this Auburn baseball is at auburndaily.com. My podcast, Locked On Movie Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find it on Twitter at Locked On Farm. And the merch at AUShirts.com. Absolutely. That is baseball's Lindsey Crosby joining us. Tomorrow, it's a War Report Wednesday. And we'll be joined by Lindsey again to recap. Hopefully an Auburn win. We'll have to wait and see. See you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.